Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God from the Holy Gospel for this 15th Sunday after Pentecost, where Jesus says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is God's word. We just confessed in the Nicene Creed that we who spoke together believe in God the Father Almighty who is maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ by whom all things are made. We believe in the Christian church that God has indeed made all things. And if that is the case, then it is also necessary to believe that we own none of it. We are not the creator. We are not the maker. But there is one who is. And it all belongs to him. It continues to operate day in and day out. The sun continues to rise in the morning and set at night as the moon gives its light. The earth continues to turn. The seasons change. And the people whom God has made receive his care. It is all his. It is not ours. Even our very lives are not our own. We read in the book of Genesis that God formed the man, Adam, from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That life came from God. It belongs to him. Your very existence, the breath in your lungs, the heart that beats within you, the mind in your head, all of it is his. And that makes us what we call stewards. A steward is one who is entrusted and given responsibility over something that is not their own but belongs to a master above them. All that you have belongs to God, but he has entrusted you with it to be used faithfully. We often talk about the things that God has given us 
as our time. And indeed, God is the maker even of time, who sets all things in motion at the beginning of creation and orders our lives. We talk about our talents. And indeed, we often use the phrase God-given ability that each of us has. And that does not mean just you have God-given ability if you can dunk a basketball or throw a football very far or play the piano or sing in the choir. But if you can brush your teeth in the morning, tie your shoes, wake up and survey your life around you and reflect upon it, that comes from God as well. And your treasure. If you think this is a money sermon and you're about to check out, stop and hold tight because this is about so much more than money. It is about all that we have and all that we are is a matter of stewardship. You cannot live in this world and not reflect on stewardship because none of it is yours or mine. Jesus told a parable about a steward in our gospel for this morning, and he was a pretty poor steward. In fact, it says at the beginning, the rich man called to him the, the manager of his possessions, called him to task. Because he had been wasteful. He hadn't been using them well. And he said, what is this you have done? You can't be the manager anymore. Gather the accounts because I'm going to take them away from you. And so this manager, this steward, this man who's entrusted with some things that are not his own. And now is about to have it all taken away. He reflects on his dilemma that he's about to lose the stewardship he's been given. And he asks himself, what can I do going forward? I'm going to lose the job I have. I'm not strong enough to dig, he says. He's not fit to be digging holes and doing hard labor. And I'm too ashamed to beg. That's not a realistic option to beg off others to live. So he says, here's what I'll do. And he summons the master's debtors, the ones who owe money to his master. He asks each of them, how much do you owe? And he rewrites their bill for less than what they owed previously. And his gamble that he's making here is that after he's done this, at least I'm going to have some people out there in the world who are going to be friendly to me, who are going to be kindly disposed toward me because I've helped them out of some of their debt. What he's doing is he's taken what the master has put in his possession and using it to secure his future. Let me repeat that. The steward takes what the master has given him and uses it to secure his future. He's forward thinking. He's realizing that his time of stewardship is coming to an end. 
And where will he be? And Jesus says the master commends this dishonest manager for being shrewd, for thinking in such a way. And this is the lesson for you and I, dear Christians, to learn about stewardship. That all we have been given belongs to us, or belongs not to us, but to the Father. But it can all and will all be taken away in a moment. Have we invested in the future? This is made all the more poignant by the fact that we are indeed stewards with a Lord over us, entrusted with that which is not ours. But as we have set out to remind ourselves of over these last few weeks, we are more than just stewards with a Lord over us. We are children of the Heavenly Father with a father over us, a family, with a loving father who entrusts us with all that we have. What to be done with it? What for you to do with your time, talent, and treasure? Are you investing it in the things that will last forever? The things that will never be taken away from you? Your time? How you divvy up your day and your week and your month and your year? Your talent? The abilities that God has given to you? And your treasure? Your earthly possessions, which include but are not limited to your money. Are you putting them in the things that will last for eternity? I think we are tempted congregationally to look at the numbers on the back of the bulletin and say, things are pretty good. That number at the bottom of the right column is pretty much always in the positive. We've got what we need. Here's the reality, though. We have a 55-year-old church building that's falling down around us that has 55-year problems with it. Probably needs in excess of $200,000 of repairs that we certainly do not have in the bank. We have a need to fill offices in our church, council members, elders. We have an altar guild that, despite their faithful service, cannot reverse the trend of aging and in their service need more help. We have a need to make sure we do what we can as a congregation to reach out to the community around us, to serve in all sorts of various ways. To be quite honest, our congregation is a bit sick. 
and the family has work before it. You know, in every family, there's a role for each person to play. This probably is most visible on the farm, isn't it? Where, where dad makes sure the fields are plowed and the crop is harvested and makes sure the animals are tended to and the mom runs the home and makes sure the meals are prepared, the laundry is done and things are clean. And the children are born as soon as they're able to, to walk and talk and they develop some physical ability of their own. They are pitching in, doing chores of their own and preparing for an eventuality that they're going to take over that work in full one day themselves. And even when those who are no longer physically able to do what they used to, they find ways to serve and assist and pitch in. So it is in the family of God. That every member is called to work together. St. Paul actually uses the image in 1 Corinthians of a body with a bunch of different parts that all work together. The head cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you. They all must work in concert for things to operate. And of course the goal, let's be honest about the goal. Because I wouldn't want anyone to accuse me of being self-serving. Of course, the pastor wants the church to do well. He depends on it. The goal is not our Redeemer Lutheran Church. Remind yourself, this congregation, this building, isn't lasting for all eternity. We're not going to wake up one day in the kingdom of heaven, in a new heaven, and a new earth, and all be gathering together in the building with a tall pitch on one side and a short pitch on the other. Of course, who knows? Maybe that's what heaven will look like. But we will be gathered together for eternity. And what I want to invite you to ask yourself this morning is what we do here. Word proclaimed, supper being given, Children and adults alike being brought to the font to be washed and claimed as God's family. Showing love and compassion to a broken, hurting world around us. Is that worth our investment? Is that worth putting our work into? Does that stuff matter for eternity? Jesus says in our gospel today, you cannot serve both God and money. He could just as easily have added a whole bunch of things into that last part of the sentence. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and your job. You cannot serve both God and your house. You cannot serve both God and your kid's sports career. You cannot serve both God and your retirement accounts. You cannot serve both God and your health. You cannot serve both God and your happiness. You cannot serve both God and your family. All of it is from the one who loves you and redeems you. 
None of those things that I just listed off are evil. They are good, good things. But they're not yours. There is, however, one thing that is yours. The one thing that you have that does belong to you. You didn't get it because you invested wisely in the stock market and avoided the 2008 downturn. You don't have it because you put a lot of sweat equity into your home and built it up into something that's more valuable than it was when you got it. You don't have it because of your skill or your ability or how wise you are. The one thing that is yours is the kingdom of God purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is yours. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. Your life was bought with his blood. And it belongs to him. And all that you have belongs to him as well. But in exchange, he has bought for you a future. That is where our investment should be. That's where our time needs to be. That's where our resources need to go first. That dishonest manager banked on the fact, bet the farm, if you will, that his master was merciful. He already knew that his master was merciful because he didn't yank the books out of his hand and throw them into prison. You all know what happens when someone's unfaithful with someone else's money. That's called money laundering. That gets you thrown in jail. That's called embezzlement. Embezzlement was the word I was looking for, not laundering. That gets you thrown in jail. But the master didn't. He was given a brief moment to reflect on what mattered for him and his future. And so he offered forgiveness of debt to the debtors that his master had. And he knew his master wouldn't go back on that rewritten debt. He knew his master would want to continue to be known as merciful. Well, the father himself has made the greatest investment of all in you. The blood of the son. The very son. Who redeems you and forgives you. And by that blood... You already have the greatest treasure and wealth you could ever ask for. Let us, dear family of God, fix our eyes on that and on Jesus. And knowing that we need never fear that God will somehow Leave us twisting in the wind. I've never heard of a Christian who's regretful 
for giving too much money to the church, spending too much time volunteering in the church, or using their ability to serve their church. I have never once heard regret in that regard. Because even if those things seem like you may have put too much money in one place or too much time in another, the Father is merciful. Your reward, your ownership in the kingdom will not be taken away from you. It's time, family, to get to work. All of us, every one of us, with all that the Father has lovingly entrusted to us, with the aim that we would all be together one day in the place that God has given us to own, his heavenly kingdom. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.